Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Salutations, creative people. Welcome to Not Real Art. It's a podcast that celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. I'm your host, Sourdough. And on today's episode, I'm honored to be joined by my dear friend, Michael Fish Herring. Here I am. Hey, Fish. (laughs) How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's so good to see you, brother. Oh, it's good to be here. By the way, this is take two for us. Yeah. Yeah, this is take two. I want to. I want the audience to know that we uh, in podcast culture. Uh, there's a joke. They say you're not a professional podcaster until you lose an episode, and it was your episode that made me a professional podcaster because uh, essentially we lost your episode. It was so much fun and so great, but but you forgot to press record. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, it turns out that's an essential part of the process, the recording process. But hey, you know what? Uh, it was a dress rehearsal for the main event, which is today. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. we had a good time and had some good food. And you took great. me to an amazing sushi restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Mon Sushi. Yeah, Mon Sushi on uh, Ventura at Tampa or something, right? Something like uh, that. Tampa, Near Tampa? Yeah. yeah. Not, not far from there. Yeah. Right. Well, last time we were together, um, we spent a lot of time talking about your trip. Uh, you'd you'd been you'd gone to the played at the um, Prince tribute, which was amazing. But you know, here you are again, uh, fresh off the road. Right? Where are you coming from? Most recently, Moscow. Actually, the last two shows I did were in Moscow. One ended the tour, and then I was home for about three weeks, and then we went back for a private show in Moscow. Okay, uh, I just got back a couple of days ago. You were with uh, Christina, yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. I've been with Christina Aguilera for just about seventeen years now. Wow, it's like family, right? At yeah. this point, yeah. Wow. Yeah, dysfunctional family. Yeah. <laughs> well, you put the fun in dysfunctional, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's been on and off, but it's been it's been great. You know, I, I think the last time we talked, I wasn't expecting to go back on the road. Yeah, I was trying to stay home, and I ended up 
doing another couple tours and uh, and running Vegas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> running and, Vegas. Uh, yeah. Now I'm, now we're going back to Vegas and then doing another another European run. So and, what are the what are the dates for Vegas? Because last time you went to Vegas, I threatened that Channing and I would come out. It didn't work out, but I'm serious about wanting to make that happen. When are you going to be in Vegas? We're going back. We're starting up again on September 20th. Okay. And you're I, there for how long is the residency? I think we're there for three weeks. Okay. And then we're, I think we're going back for New Year's Eve. And then, you know, then there's more dates to follow. Okay. And it's going to be an ongoing thing. Well, I'm confident. I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic that we can make it work this it, time. It's a really good show. Yeah. It's a big spectacle of a show and it's. I don't know if it's my natural environment, but it, there's there's a couple of moments during the show where, you know, where I get to cut loose. Mm-hmm. You know, actually one moment mm-hmm. so far during this Vegas show where I get to get to step out and kind of be me. Right. What what is your natural environment? Uh, I think the studio at this point is more my natural yeah. environment. Yeah. You know, more uh, it's a more creative environment. Yeah. You know, doing a gig with a pop star, that's their environment. Yeah, right. And and I'm just there to support. Yeah. And and hopefully make it better in some kind of way if I can. Right. And that's that's what that role's always been. Mm-hmm. There's the occasional artist where you know they want you to to really be more creative and put in you know put in bits of yourself. Yeah. And and I have been able to do that with Christina here and there because there's a lot of a lot of parts in you know there's there's a there's an element of pop music that doesn't really work f- with guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, guitar is a rock instrument. And sometimes to make the pop music more exciting, you got to make it rock. Yeah. 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 So um, you've been with her 17 years. Has the rest of the crew been with her that long? Like- there's, there's two of us. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lewis is the musical director who's, you know, we've, we've been friends since the mid Shout out Rob. Yep. Rob is, he's a genius. He really is. Wow. It's saying a lot. I, I don't say that about too many people. Yeah. Rob really is a genius. He's a brilliant. You say it about him and you say it about me. That's the, the <clears> only right. two yeah, people. It's just you two. And <laughs> yeah, maybe, right. maybe Stevie Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe Stevie. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's third third on the list. No, it, Rob Rob's been yeah we've been working together for for quite a long time. A lot of respect for him and his arrangements and mm-hmm. and you know, the way he handles an artist and his vision and just the way the way he creates. Why don't he, you well, go ahead? Sorry. He he does a lot of really incredible arrangements when you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that at a pop show. Mm-hmm. You know, just. The sheer musicality of what he brings to, to to anything is it's pretty astounding. Yeah. What are some of the other uh, artists that he's worked with? Um, Rob has worked with. Um, he, I think he started with Brian McKnight when he was a student at Berkeley, mm-hmm. and uh, Patty Labelle, and then we you know we both worked with Christina, and Tony Braxton, and got it. You know the gigs we've done together is you know Christina, New Kids on the Block, Boys to Men, Backstreet Boys, yeah. Tony Braxton. 98 degrees TLC there's, there's more well there's aren't more you guys doing something with Nickelodeon together right now yeah yeah we just we can just, you talk about that I don't want to bring it up if uh, you can I'm but. sure we can yeah. uh, I, we just wrapped the shooting the first season of a show called America's most musical family great idea so it's a competition show music yeah. competition show for families it's a great there's idea some super talented talented kids just, absolutely not just kids, adults too. It's yeah. fa- it's a family show. Affair, yeah. But it's it's great to see kids come together and and work together, and it's an awesome environment. Yeah, it's great. We had a lot of fun doing it. Rob's the Rob's the musical director on that and doing all the arrangements, mm-hmm. and uh, brought brought a couple of us in to play and back up the back up the talent. Mm-hmm. 
make the show a little more exciting musically. So. When does it debut? Um, not quite sure. Yeah. The end of September, maybe right. October. Sometime in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a great concept. And by the way, kind of fucking obvious. Like the fact that it took someone this long yeah. to come up with that idea. Maybe they've been working it for a while, but I think it's, you know, really great that they're doing it. Because I've, I've known a lot of musical families in my life. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm thinking like... My buddy, uh, Dave Scott, his whole family is incredibly musical. Like several Christmases ago for the gift to their friends and family, they all went into the recording studio and recorded a, <laughs> a record of all the Christmas songs, mom, dad, brother, brother, sister, all oh, five great. of them. And I mean, I've got it. I'll play it for you sometime. It, like, it's fucking great. Like they're that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, uh, I came from a slightly musical family. My grandfather was a violinist. That's what got me started. As I understand, quite yeah. an accomplished violinist. Yeah, no? he was. He was a working musician. Yeah, and that's that's what gave me the idea of oh, I can do that for a job. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that we'll go off on another tangent with that. Yeah, but but, but so you your family wasn't the kind of family that was like get a real job. Like music was a, a legitimate yeah. pursuit. Yeah. No, yeah. it was never looked down upon. It was yeah. never like, you're going to have to fall back on something. Right, it was, right. It was a job just like any other job. How old were you when you were displaying your musical acumen? Oh, man. I mean, were you like singing around the house and someone said, oh, wow, he can sing? Or No, what? I think, you know what? The Oddly enough, the very first instrument I started playing around with, well, I had a, I had a plastic red, white, and blue guitar. I think I had the same one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like like Stars and Stripes. Yeah, on right, it. yeah, yeah. That I think uh, like an uncle or great uncle and aunt had mm -hmm. given me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of like a Boke Owens looking yeah, you know, right. plastic guitar with nylon strings. I had that that I would drag around the house and I had a plastic trumpet. And my very first aspiration as a musician was to play at the local racetrack. Right. Okay. Play trumpet at the racetrack. <laughs> and I actually sent a letter. This was, um, uh, it was called Liberty Bell, Liberty Bell racetrack in yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. This doesn't there? exist. No, it's oh, a okay. mall. Yeah. yeah. Got it right. Yeah, it's a, and it's the a, mall doesn't exist it's anymore. A, it's a fucking mall. It's a, you <clears throat> yeah. know, I don't even think the mall exists. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was, that was quite, quite a while ago. <laughs> so I sent a letter to Liberty Bell racetrack, uh, saying I wanted to play trumpet at, you know, at, at the races. Mm. That was that. I wanted a gig right away. I was probably like four or five years old, and uh, got a letter back saying, you know, like you know, call me when you're this many, you know, yeah. like. Uh, and I think they sent me a pen. I wish I still had that pen. Right, right. But yeah, that you know it was my first. Uh, it was my first no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your first pitch yeah. and your first rejection. Yeah, it was my my very first rejection as a musician. I was like, all right, well, on to the next. Yeah. I think I had a plastic saxophone too, but I started taking violin lessons for my grandfather when I was about five. Okay. That's sort of where it starts. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Started with violin. I, I think he tried to teach, tried to teach my brother who's the oldest and he tried to teach my sister and they, I, they, they didn't want to, yeah. they didn't want any part of that. But I, I didn't love violin. I still don't. I mm. still don't love the tone of a violin. Mm. Love viola, love mm -hmm. cello. There's something about the tone of the violin. I That's think it's so interesting. I think it's because of you know going back to being to being a beginner violinist. Yeah, and, right. You know, just the, yeah, yeah, it's not a pretty. No, uh, the sound the sound <laughs> of the you know the sound of the bow getting caught on that that cork bridge. That's just, yeah. just something that just <laughs> always stuck with me. But I I I I love writing for violin. I love violins mm -hmm. in a section, mm -hmm, but I, mm -hmm. you know, it's solo violin. What about uh, have you ever fancied playing the fiddle? 
<laughs> I love it as far as the musicality of it. Yeah. I love the riffs and yeah. I'll rip them off as much as I can yeah. and play them on guitar. What about that kind of... Uh, that sort of family of instruments. You got the fiddle, you've got the banjo, yeah. you've got oddly you've, enough, even though my grandfather was a classical musician, yeah, he sometimes referred to it as a fiddle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why uh, do you think that was? Yeah, like, that was, just, that was just, comedy. Yeah, for okay. Him. That was, funny. Yeah, 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 that was yeah. he was he right. was a he was a funny guy. He didn't take himself too seriously. No, obviously. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, I you know, getting back to to you know, if you're if you're heading in the bluegrass direction, I love yeah. banjo, I love mandolin. Yeah. I do love I, I love bluegrass fiddle players and what they can do and then yeah. it's man yeah it's kind of mind boggling some of the stuff they they play right but violin kind of it, I felt like I felt like it was holding me back mm. and I wanted to play guitar and you know I was listening to Beatles and listening to Stones and listening to Hendrix and starting to hear all this guitar music and I wanted to play that yeah so my grandfather started teaching me guitar because he had one right. And there you go. He could he could play a little bit. I think I was probably around seven. Yeah. And there was no turning back. Right. How old were you when you formed your first band? I met my friend Joel in overnight camp. Uh, I think I was nine. Mm -hmm. And I I had a guitar and an app, and he had drums, and we became a duo. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I think I was nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love he was it. nine. He was ten. Yeah, and 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 our first band was called Psychedelic Mushroom. <laughs> what? Yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. And we we were into all the. You, you, know, you were very advanced. We were into very... all the psychedelic music. That's <laughs> right. that's that's you know we'd sit right. there and listen to Doors records and yeah. and, and Hendrix records and mm -hmm. you know all all the psychedelic shit. We you know we were into all of it and and we would just play as a duo, just just guitar and drums. And that's it. Right. And I remember. You know, our first gig, it was at a, you know, first it was just, you know, he would, he would come to my house with drums and then I would go to his house with a guitar and amp and we would just jam, just two of us. You know, I'd play the three or four chords that I knew and mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that sounded good on an electric guitar. Yeah. And, you know, crank the amp up as loud as I could. What, where's, uh, you said Joel? What's yeah. his name? Where, where's Joel today? Joel, you guys Joel's, still buddies? Yeah. He's, he's in Philly. He's still, still playing and yeah. doing his thing and, and he's a phenomenal drummer. Nice. How often do you get back to Philly these days? Not often enough. Yeah. I One of my uh, hopes uh, for the future is that sometime uh, I might find myself in Philly at the same time you're in Philly. Oh, yeah. And hopefully Alex will be there at the oh, same time. And we'll have a blast. Dude, that would be off yeah. the charts. I've yeah. never had a proper time in Philly ever. Oh, yeah. You got you to you yeah. get the Philly treatment. Yeah, you know? right. It's changed a lot since I've since I've been there. I've been out here for almost twenty five years. Yeah, about, about twenty five years. So it's changed a lot. Like downtown Philly has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, certain sections of Philly have changed. There was, um, you know, one point earlier in the year I was there and Alex was home and he said, "Oh, we got to go to Fishtown," which you know, one time Fishtown was not a very nice part of the city. Mm -hmm. And now it's all trendy and there's all yeah. these restaurants, all this hipster stuff going on and yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the story in so many places yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah you just got to know where it's happening, and then right. buy some real estate there. And so you <laughs> you uh, clearly have family there. Who's there? Yeah, who's who's? Oh, who's, my my mom, my sister, my yeah. brother, and you know, there's there's family there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of my friends from right. you know from that I grew up with that I'm still I'm still tight with. Yeah. You know, and my my friend Joey is. You know, we 
we'll 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 talk. If not talk, we'll text several times a week, and yeah. we're always in touch. That's so, so great. But I haven't been there in about six months. Um, both of my daughters live live outside of Philly, mm-hmm. so I, I I need to get there more often. Yeah. But the last six months have been a lot of travel. Yeah. Do they come out this way? Every once in a while. Yeah. Not not often enough. Yeah. Right. Right. My mother, my sister, and her husband were just here last well, a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that was that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice to have family come and visit. That doesn't happen too often. No. You know, being the traveling family that we are, we're the ones that usually yeah. end up there yeah. as opposed to family coming out here. But why wouldn't people want to come here and visit? I mean, <laughs> so exactly. And, you know, that was one of the advantages to becoming a dad. Uh, suddenly I had an excuse to tell my parents, no, you know what? You've you got to come here. Yeah, now. That's right. Yeah. We want our kids yeah. to have Christmas at our house. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. they come here now. But yeah, that, that never stopped us, you know, as soon as. As soon as Truth was born, I think I think he was maybe less than six weeks old. When mm-hmm. He went to New York for the first time. Yeah, he's been traveling ever since. He's he needs a new passport at this point. How is Truth doing? He's doing great. How old is he now? He's eleven. Shit, eleven and it's wild. Sixth grade, middle school. Which uh, let's not talk about middle school. No, yeah, that's where things happen. <laughs> As we know it's, from personal experience, yeah. everything happens in middle school. Changes, right. he's, but he's playing music too, right? Yeah, he's not focused on it yet. Yeah. He's he's. I think he's more focused on art and drama. He's got a drama class, which I mean, yeah. Well, when you were in sixth grade, did you have a drama class every day? Was that an nope. option? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That was extracurricular. You could sign up for it. And no, do this it after is, class or this after is, this school is or part of the curriculum yeah. of, of Burbank Middle School. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah somebody in his class is going to be a superstar. Right. Right. Might be him. It might be him. I'm sure there's probably one every year that comes out. That's, you know, that's a working actor. Yeah. You know, or several out of, you know, out of each school Mm -hmm. in Burbank. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you feel about, I mean, just dad to dad, parent to parent, you know, cause I got two kids they are two and a half and seven. I mean, what do you think about, Raising kids in LA and Hollyweird. I mean, because you grew up in Philly. Yeah. I grew up outside Chicago. You know what I mean? Like very different environments. Very, very different. Right. I'm constantly reminding my son that this is an amazing place to grow up. Yeah. It really is. You know, when when you can walk outside and see mountains and there's and the sun is shining every day. Yep. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> that's amazing you get the you get the opportunity to you know to to be around you know there, there's opportunity that's what it is and you know in philly not a whole lot of opportunity for for the artistic kid yeah you know you you have to kind of forge your own thing and and work harder at it here it's it's acceptable right and it's you know oh you want to you want to be an actor okay well there's a drama class that you can take every day that's part of the actual curriculum in middle school yeah yeah that's pretty awesome pretty awesome yeah yeah no no it's um you know it's weird because i you know on one hand i have worked so hard my wife and i both our whole lives i mean we got married at 35 but i mean before we met before we got you know after we got married i mean we've worked so hard right to you know realize our professional hopes and dreams whatever 
you know, wanting to give our kids maybe better life than we had or whatever. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, but yet at the same time, right, we, you and I are both, you know, children of the 70s, whatever, grew yeah. up in the 70s and 80s. I yeah. mean, you know, there was perhaps a work ethic uh, that maybe we we saw, um, you know, maybe there was a bit yeah, of a focus, humbler. Focus know. was different then yeah. because now there's so many distractions. Yeah. Kids have so many distractions. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's not just YouTube, which is the biggest distraction, right? There's video games, there's VR games, yeah. There's you know, there's there's so much for a kid to be distracted with, right? I don't know. I you know, it's just different times bring you know different challenges, di- different humans. You know, yeah. it's part of evolution. All I know is that when I wanted to see boobs in the eighties, seventies, uh, and eighties, that was much more challenging than it is today. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. You had to be on a mission. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah, had to yeah. know where their dad's stash of Playboy magazines were. Or right, yeah. right. Or have an older brother that could go and buy something. Yeah, or, or, yeah. You know, oh, man. sneak you in somewhere. Or yeah. Know. Well, no, it's 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 just interesting because I mean, you know, some parents want their kids to you know, maybe embrace uh, their field, whatever it is, whether it's the arts or medicine or whatever. Right. Some parents, you know, want their kids to, you know, become, who, you know, whoever it is they're meant to become, you know, and yet at the same time, you know, kids are kind of born who they are, you know? Yeah. I, what I, you know, my, what my wife and I like to do is just give him, give our son the tools yeah. to do you know, whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if he if he wants to play guitar, there's one next to his bed. Right. If he wants to play piano, there's, you know, there's there's a keyboard at the foot of his bed. There's a piano in the living room. Yeah. If he wants to play more guitars, there's another 60, 70 guitars in the living room. Yeah. There's, you know, if right. he wants to record, there's a studio in the house. Mm-hmm. If he wants to, you know, whatever he wants to do, the tools are there. Yeah. The acting thing is is something that, you know, it just, it, it kind of makes sense for his personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's good to to be able to learn how to, I don't know, I guess in a way it's kind of like manipulation class, mm. you know, going to an acting class. Well, but, it's, yeah. I think those are great skills. I mean, to be comfortable in front of a crowd and yeah, be on stage, that's, that's a big you know, one. under the lights, you know. Yeah. Um, public speaking is supposed to be people's number one fear to get over that, you know, early on in life. That's a great thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Actually last year in fifth grade, we were pretty shocked. He wanted to, he wanted to sing mm -hmm. and he had, he had never really taken any vocal lessons. We had never really heard him sing. Like I heard him sing a little bit, but knew his pitch was pretty good and he's got good tone, but he wanted to sing Bohemian Rhapsody Mm. for his school talent show. Mm. Mm. And, <laughs> he's coming out swinging man yeah that's like <laughs> holy fuck. Yeah, you can't yeah, just yeah, yeah. can't just hum that one no i mean that's that, that's you yeah know, as he says one of the greatest songs ever written yeah it is it's up there you right. know it's one of the greatest songs ever written it's a masterpiece and um fortunately i have the masters of that song i have the master for that song in pro tools mm-hmm. so i had all the separated tracks so i Took him into the studio and said, let's edit this. You know, he could only do a couple of minutes. He couldn't do the full, you know, seven minute version. So we had to do an edited version, but he knew exactly what he wanted. He, you know, he had the arrangement down. He wanted to do the first two verses and and go straight to the end. Mm. Skip the whole middle part. He yeah. wanted to sing, you know, some of the best emotional parts of the song yeah, yeah. and kind of skip the rocking part. Right, you know? right. Although he loves it, he knew he didn't have the time for that. Right. And plus it's, you know, it's 
a lot of uh, a lot of voices. Mm, yeah. So we sat down, we edited it. I took Freddie's voice out, mm. and and he went up on stage and killed it with, oh, with some Queen how proud were you? with actual Queen tracks behind him. Oh shit! And and I was blown away because yeah. his pitch was so great, and and you know, we we actually had him. He didn't work that hard at it. That's the thing. It's like he works a little bit at something and he nails it. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, we had him work with um, Vanessa Bryan. I don't know if you're familiar with no. Vanessa. She's an amazing vocalist, but also an amazing vocal coach. And mm-hmm. he did a couple of sessions with her and you know, he, he was confident. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Pretty cool to watch. And that, but that is something like getting up in front of a crowd and singing a song when you're, you know, when you're 10 years old. You know, that crowd could be harsh. Those yeah. kids in school the next harsh. day. Could, oh, my God. You know, brutal. I mean, if you fuck up, it's over. Now, by the way, <laughs> they're all videoing it and they're going to post it on uh, yeah, Facebook or exactly. whatever or Snapchat. Yeah. No no kids on Facebook. Yeah, right. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's for old people, man. <laughs> it's all about TikTok now. Yeah. Oh, TikTok. Right. Yeah. yeah. TikTok's the cool new shit. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Of course, that'll be over next year and something else will yeah. come along. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's what's hot now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he it would have been brutal, you know, yeah. had he, you know, whatever, was, you know, struggled or whatever, like yeah. they would have been brutal. Right, but he nailed it yeah. and it was great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of him because he stepped up and did it. And he's it's like that way with anything with mm. him. He'll just work a little hard at something for a couple of days and he'll he'll get it. Yeah. I spent years and years and years and I'm still working on shit and I can't get it. That's <laughs> well, all relative, <laughs> to, my friend. Trying to be a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I, You're doing okay. Yeah, I, You're doing I, you know, all right. You I, might get there. I learn the parts, or I make up new parts as it goes along, and, mm. and I, you know, try and keep a gig. So you said uh, earlier before the show, uh, you talked about uh, you've got a new tech now that you're working with. Uh, uh, that must be a little bit nerve wracking. I feel completely relaxed about it. Okay. You know, it could be it could be hit or miss. You never know what you're going to get into, but. Um, but I mean, what is that process I, like? Are you interviewing techs? Like, how do you get a new tech? Like, um, what I do is I call the best in the in the business, and I know he's I know he's not available, but I always ask him first. Yeah, right. You know, uh, I call. And Tuk- who's that? That's Takumi. Takumi. Takumi is he's he's just a master. Yeah. He really is. He's a master guitar tech. He really knows tone. He's he's kind of like you know he's radar. He he thinks way ahead. Mm-hmm. He, he builds amazing rigs. He really cares for instruments and cares for the player and makes it really comfortable. And I, I got the chance to work with him when I was at Paisley Park working mm-hmm. with Prince and working on projects there. And and you know, I've and I've done I've done some touring with him and he's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, since since Prince, since he left Prince, he was, you know, he was with uh, he was with A C D C, he was with Nickelback, he was with Bon Jovi. He was with uh, Zach Brown. He was with you know. It's like one one after another, and he's you know he's he takes care of Richie Sambora. He's he's a guitar tech's guitar tech. Right. right. <laughs> he really is. He's he's like the guy that everybody looks up to. He's sure. the, he's the Yoda of guitar techs. Sure. So when I I needed a tech, this is about seven or eight years ago. I was doing a a TV show. I was in the house band on a show called The Winner Is, which is mm. kind of a failed uh, NBC. Uh, music competition show mm-hmm. could have succeeded it was a cool show it was what was the fatal flaw um why didn't people watch probably time slot and yeah. just when it aired it was yeah. just yeah yeah it was it was just bad programming right it was it was a good show it was an entertaining show it right. was it so wasn't it wasn't people have nothing i mean yeah i mean these you could be the have the best show in the world it has a bad time slot right forget yeah. about it yeah but it was it was a good show it was you know it was, it was like kind of average everyday people singing for cash yeah 
you know, it, was, it wasn't somebody trying to trying to be a star, get a record deal. They right. were they were they were singing for money. Right. It was a game show. That's great. Yeah. And it was cool. We had a great band, like killer killer house band. Yeah. So uh, we're we're going into rehearsals, and I'm like, oh, I need, I really need a tech for this. And my tech was was on the road. The pops who had been with me for like ten years yeah. prior, he was on the road when this gig came up and and i called takumi and i was like hey you want to do this tv show i know you're probably with acdc or something but he said no call trevor cole shout out trevor and trevor trevor was my guy he was there and took care of everything and made everything great and and took care of all of my you know all of my needs and then some for you know seven eight years mm -hmm. and now uh now he's out on the road with uh with another good friend of mine uh, Tarek Akoni, mm -hmm. who's uh, Josh Groban's mus mm. musical director mm -hmm. and, and guitarist, mm -hmm. and Tarek is is brilliant. Mm. And Trevor's out with him, working with him. So I step back into the you know into the world of Christina, and I need someone to to take up the slack and 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 handle my gear. So. Mm -hmm. it, We've got a guy named Matt McKenna coming in. Mm -hmm. The recommendation from Takumi, right? So you Takumi. called him. You're like, okay. You're I called available. Takumi and said, okay, yeah, yeah, got, yeah, yeah, like, okay, yeah. The last one worked out pretty well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Right. So, um, and which you know, Trevor, Trevor is awesome. I wish he could be yeah. out with us. I had I the think. opportunity to meet Trevor a long time ago, as you know, mm -hmm. and uh, what a what a what a great guy, what a character. Yeah, yeah. awesome storyteller yeah. too. Oh, comes fantastic. from uh, comes from a line of storytellers. Yes, yes, we got to get him on the podcast at some point. Oh man, yeah, got to do it. Uh, so Matt will be coming in mm -hmm. uh, for for this Vegas run, and then we're going back to back back to Europe, and then back to Vegas again, and some stuff in between. But I've actually got my live rig set up in my living room right now. Oh wow. Just programming, setting, you know, making sure everything works, mm -hmm. kind of get everything prepared for for the Vegas run. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's a lot of cables. You know? <laughs> it's a lot of, I was plugging stuff in yesterday, thinking, uh, how do I? Can I do this myself? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm, you get spoiled when you have a tech, right? And right. You just have to show up. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I I love gear. Yeah. Right. I love gear, and I love you know the the. The progression of it, mm. I you know, I always go back to you know, okay, if a guitar sounds great through through an amp, cool. What can we put on top of it now to enhance that? Yeah, you know, you get get tone first, and then then work it. Then you have a palette to work with. Right, solid foundation. Yeah, then build the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Several years ago, we we're we we're getting ready for a tour, and Trevor built the most monstrous pedal board for me, and you know. Uh, if there's you know any guitar players listening, you know what pedals mean. Pedals mean. By the way, know. not to digress, but on the, on the subject, didn't I see something in the headlines the other day? Somebody set a new world record for the largest guitar. Yeah, pedal? yeah. I, I didn't really. I, I think I was I was in Moscow. I was traveling, and I okay. didn't really get a chance to to get too deep into that. Okay, all right. But yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It was like looked like hundreds of pedals. <laughs> was like, what the he's fuck? gonna need a bigger noise gate. <laughs> That's uh, it's kind of ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah, Trevor. Trevor had built me a beautiful, monstrous piece of art, you know, yeah. and and it was an amazing palette. Mm. It had it had all the analog stuff on it that I liked, you know, amazing, amazing like overdrive pedals, and mm -hmm. and then I got all the you know the all the digital you know between delay, reverb, and modulation pedals, and everything's midied, and I'm going through a switcher and 
all I have to do is step on a button and, you know, I can program everything I want. It was amazing. And then, uh, then another product came along that kind of knocked that out of the box. Mm. And I still love my big pedal board. It's amazing. And I, you know, I can't wait to get back, you know, get it in the studio once, once my studio is built, get that in the studio and up and working. So I have every possible color and sound I could want. Mm-hmm. But line six came up with a, with an, another alternative and which I think, I, which I think is their first amazingly professional piece of gear that they've ever made and it's and it's super versatile and that's kind of what i'm basing my rig on now so i've kind of scaled down mm-hmm. instead of using a giant pedal board which you know when you have a giant pedal board you got a lot of cables and you got a lot of things that can go wrong right you know when you have a unit that kind of handles everything that kind of well what kind of domino effect does that like so if, if you've got a big pedal board and something goes wrong on i'm just making shit up here pedal 12 is there a domino effect in that it, it impacts other other pedals or is it just sort of an well, the thing is you thing? might you might not know what ah, you know, right which cable or which pedal or sure you know, sure the troubleshooting you have to do when you have you know say if you have 15 to 20 pedals on a board that's yeah. that's a lot i mean it's a lot of stuff you got to go through you know first thing is okay do, you, do we have do we, do we have signal going through you know like guitar to amp okay yeah that works guitar to volume pedal yeah that works guitar to wild pedal yeah that works now now you go through the switcher and mm. and all the you know all the pedals in between and mm. it's a lot of troubleshooting what's the most fucked up thing that's ever happened to you uh on stage uh, in a live performance in terms of you know like gear shit, malfunction? Shit going down yeah. uh nothing terrible really there was an incident on this last european run that, that we did with christina very first show in paris and it was first show of the tour after a couple of days of production rehearsals in Paris in, in the arena, go to play during the intro. And it's like, you know, it's showtime. It's, you know, there's the countdown, the, you know, the intro starts, Pro Tools is rolling. I got click in my in-ears and I got no guitar. What? The- uh, yeah, it was just, it was a dead battery. Ugh. <laughs> Which I knew it right away. I looked down and I was like, okay, I got no signal on my my main electric guitar. I'm so grateful you uh, today. You you happen to bring uh, your 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 axe with you. You got a little acoustic uh, Yamaha oh, yeah. with you. Yep. Wow. So how old is that uh, piece of gear? This uh, I don't know. I've probably had this guitar for about ten or twelve years, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's just one of the really beautiful handcrafted handcrafted Japanese acoustics. Mm-hmm. That's why don't. That uh, why don't you play us uh, play us a little something? Oh man, I don't know what to play. I, you know, I, hate mean, to, I know how you hate to be put on the spot. But. Oh man, uh, I never know what to play because I can never remember songs. Yeah, but I can noodle well. Mm-hmm. I'm a total noodler. Yeah. So there's, you know, I could, I could be sitting watching TV with a guitar as long as nobody else is there. I'll noodle when I'm by myself watching mm-hmm. TV or okay. watching a movie, but I can't do it with other people in the room because that just pisses people off. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, people are assholes. I mean, they, they don't understand greatness when they, yeah. yeah. Or, or I could, I, I could, you know, sit there tweaking a, a patch 
on my rig or, mm-hmm. or you know sit in the studio trying to work out a sound and end up noodling for an hour and before i know it you know. but what it, what is a creative process like i mean are you banking ideas i mean you know we can't we can't manage inspiration i mean you get ideas all the time uh we're not wired to remember ideas you know so how do you you know how do you record your ideas how do you what is your creative process like when it comes down um, to you writing original music if i get an idea and i'm not in my studio or in another studio it's voice memos on the phone of course you know right. it's so easy to just press record and play or or you know hum an idea yeah that's where most of you know most of my ideas start is with that you know but there's plenty of days not not enough recently because i've been i've been on the road too much but you know where i'll say okay nine o'clock i'm gonna get in the studio and start writing mm-hmm and that's that's a good day. Yeah, know? nine a.m. Nine a.m. Yeah. Get in the studio, start writing, and, right. I, and I know I'm going to come up with something. I might come up with with two ideas or three ideas. Mm-hmm. I might not complete something, but I've started something, and you know maybe I can take it as far as I can, and I bring somebody else in to collaborate on it. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'll send it to Saida Garrett and have her write some lyrics and mm-hmm. do some you know do something amazing with it. I can create a foundation so easily, and then you know uh, have others finish it M- musicians are sort of stereotypically uh, night owls for obvious reasons uh, are you uh, are you a night owl do you find your, when you're at home do you find yourself uh, in the studio late at night yeah absolutely yeah. less distractions yeah you know everybody's asleep it's just yeah you know, i feel like it's just me and the moon and the stars can and you then, write you know, could you when is your head most clear to write uh is it in the morning or at night definitely it, at night yeah at okay. night, you know, in the morning, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's distractions throughout the day. Sure. You know, starting in the morning. Yeah. There's distractions. You know, I always thought it'd be cool to, to have a studio somewhere else and, you know, actually go off to work every day, go to a studio every day. But I prefer to have a studio at home. So that way I can, you know, I can, if I, if I want to make myself lunch, I can go in my kitchen and cook. If I want to go for a swim, right. I just step out of the studio and yeah. go for a swim. Yeah. You know, just more comfortable for me to do mm-hmm. that and not have to drive anywhere and all my gear is there. Right. At your old place, you had your studio kind of down in the basement. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. New it was place. a Burbank basement. Yeah. It's hard to find. Yeah. Right. Uh, in your new place, are you in the garage? Like, how, where's the um, studio set up at? Right now, I'm working out of one single room mm-hmm. that's built, uh, that's built on the back of the garage mm-hmm. and it's, it's a little too small mm-hmm. and you know it's uh we haven't been there we well we've been there long enough to build something but i haven't been home long enough yeah, to, right. to focus on it and get the plans done mm-hmm. you know we have a have a contractor ready so when when it's time to pull the trigger you know hopefully a, a month later i'll have a studio built yeah but all i need is two rooms i need a live room and a, and a great sounding control room right. and enough space for you know 100 or 150 instruments and and i'm good you know, over the years, it's not too much to ask, is it? <laughs> no, hell no. Uh, I say, you know, uh, uh, you know, go big. Over the years, you know, uh, of our friendship, you know, I've I've heard you talk about young talent mm-hmm. that you've that you're mentoring, that you're nurturing, that you're producing, working with, yeah. uh, developing. Uh, anybody right now that uh, you're excited about? That, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there's a this project is just about ready for human consumption. Mm-hmm. It's um uh, the artist name is Money M U N N Y, and I've been working with her for about a year and a half. Yeah, and now we've got you know we've got a dozen songs that are 
that are pretty much complete, mm -hmm. that are really good, and probably another 30 ideas of hers that I'm ready to start working on. Right on. But we've got an album's worth, whatever an album is worth these days, or we've got a, a bunch of singles ready to go. She just shot a video for the first single, mm -hmm. which she's oh, still wow. editing now. And oh, that's cool. She's she's awesome. She's really unique, mm -hmm. which which is what I like in an artist. She doesn't sound like anybody else. Right. She doesn't write like somebody else. She, it, Who not, are her it's, inspirations? Oh, man, I don't even know. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty vast. Yeah. Her inspirations are pretty wide because of the the just the influences that she had growing up. Sure. You know, stuff that her dad listened to, she would tell me was mostly mostly classic rock. Mm -hmm. But yeah, lots of different influences. When I first heard her, she was in she was in a band. It was it was just her and two guys and it was all EDM. It was very electronic and yeah. really not not my thing. I love electronic stuff, and I I love to put different electronic elements in with with live instrumentation. But this was all EDM, and it was and it was cool. It was really cool, and it was her voice that really stood out to me. Yeah, and her style and her writing, her lyrics. She's she's generally pretty dark lyrically, mm -hmm. which I think is cool. It's very emotional music. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. it's cool, and it gave me the chance to 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 paint a lot of, you know, a lot of different colors and work with a lot of different, just be creative with, with different instrumentation and different arrangements and not be typical with anything. Please tell me that her music is going to make me feel something. So will, much of music today just it doesn't make me, it will make me feel like shit. Yeah. It would definitely know? make you feel something. It might make you feel like shit, but if that song is supposed to make you feel like shit, right. it will. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it won't. Right, right, right. It's kind of like. Well, it just feels like so much of music today is emotionally vacuous. You know what I mean? It's oh, just no. like nothing her, her, happening. Her music is very, it's very emotional, and I, I tried to, I tried to produce it in a way that that dealt with her emotion. Yeah. You know that, but also because of her personality, she's you know she's not a dark and depressed person. You know, just personality wise, she's actually fun. She's an upbeat yeah. person. Yeah. She's a uh, complex artist, right? She's a very complex artist. Yeah. She's, you know, she she writes about the relationships she she goes through, which she's been through a lot of them, right? And and I think that's a part of it, and that's that's her muse is her, you know, her her failed relationships mm. and her, you know, the happiness that she that she craves in a relationship, and that's that's what she writes about. And what I thought was there's some of the, some of these songs where, okay, it's the lyrics are so dark, but. Why not twist it and and make the song a little more upbeat? Yeah, and make make the song sound a little more happy, and not just go straight minor on it. And and you know. well, the juxtaposition of those two must yeah. be really cool. Yeah. So yeah. some of the, some of the songs turned out like, wow, it's kind of a happy bopping song, but oh, those lyrics are dark. Right. Right. <laughs> but it still makes you. It still gives you an emotional lift one way or another. How old is she? She's uh, she's twenty mid twenties, okay, twenty six. So, so she's got some miles under her heels. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, lived, she's, lived, lived she's, a bit. she's gone through it a little bit. She's you know she's she's had some hard times, mm -hmm. and you know she's she you know she graduated from from college, and she's living in L A. and it's not an easy place to to live. So money, M U N N N Y. M-U-N-N-Y. M-U-N-N-Y. Where yeah. does that name come from? She went through a few different names, mm -hmm. you know, different ideas for names. She didn't want to use her name. She just, she didn't think it was, you know, like, I mean, she her name is Shannon. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. 
there was an artist in the 80s named Shannon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember I that remember. artist. Yeah. Let the music play. <laughs> I love that artist. But, you know, she she wanted to develop a character. Yeah. And and she does. She likes to... Does she, she likes know to, that there's a, a very uh, popular designer vinyl art toy called money in 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 why we're gonna have to cross that bridge when we come to it yeah, maybe yeah. there could be a fusion Who well that's, what I'm, that's why i bring it up because yeah. um what it is is artists uh it's a it's a it's a given shape of mm-hmm. this character and it's produced by kid robot and uh but usually they're blanks right they're just white the shape oh, is famous cool. but then artists paint and so there are many different versions of money oh that's cool. Right? So the, she, she could, could just get be, her she could get hers and maybe even paint hers. And maybe right. that's she could be yeah. another version of mine. That's right. Right. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. And I I always thought it was more like like honey, like the way uh Right. Like like the way Winnie the Pooh spelled honey. <laughs> which I think was H U N N Y. Well that's then then uh that reminds, me. That, that reminds me. No money, no honey. Right. H U N backwards N Y. Which maybe she should spell it that way. Yeah. M U N backwards N Y. The possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. And you guys linked. How'd you link up? How'd you find her? Through a friend of mine. It was really very random. Yeah. A friend of mine, Eric Blackman, is a is a photographer, amazing photographer, and and just great all around human. Hadn't talked to him in a while, and he 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 said, "Hey, I met this uh, met this girl, and she's she played me some of her stuff, and she's you know she's she's a model, and she does this and she does that, but she's got this music, and I think you should work together." Wow, so she's a triple threat. She's uh, she's a great musical artist, uh, obviously a smart person, and she's beautiful. Yeah, right. Uh, she graduated from. Uh, she went to Emerson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no she graduated from Emerson with a film degree. Yeah, so she's she's very creative. And she you know? just shot a video, so she's producing yeah. and kind of directing her own yeah. videos, probably. Yeah, she she right did on. have a director, but she she knows how to delegate. Yeah, um, but I've seen other things that she's directed, and she's she's awesome. She's got an amazing eye. She comes up with amazing concepts mm-hmm. and and can shoot stuff for little to no budget. Yeah, you know, and 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 make things make things work. You know, she could know. she could make. A video out of nothing, and it looks like a you know, yeah, like a hundred thousand dollar video, right? Which you know, hundred grand gets you a pretty pretty good music video these days, yeah, right. Because of the you know the editing capabilities you could do on your own, but she's yeah, she's she she can do it, she can handle it. Well, this is super she's exciting, super, when super you, creative. When do you think the uh, album might drop? Is that a spring twenty twenty thing? I don't know if it's going to be an album situation uh-huh. or if it's going to be single Singles, by single. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we have a we have a lot to give at this point. Yeah, singles are being mixed, which uh, which I have to I I have to push the uh, push the envelope on that a little more mm-hmm. and get get stuff mixed a little bit faster because mm-hmm. we you know we're we're relying on some favors right now because yeah. there's no there's no budget on the project so right. we're we're trying to make things happen. But is it, uh, I mean that's just so the life of the artist, right? Yeah. I mean, trading favors, you know, yeah. making ends meet, uh, you know, lean and mean, no money, trying to create with 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 no budget. Yeah. I and mean, this is the this- only downside of doing a project like that 
is it takes longer. Yeah, it's it takes longer it's because. Well, to me, it's not. It's not stressful because because we're doing it the way we want to do it. Right. It's a fair trade off that way. Sure. You I know, get if that. there was if there was a label behind it, yeah. and there was you know even if there was you know a, a couple hundred grand involved, right? Even or, I or totally even less. Get that. That's right. It would have happened a lot faster, but it wouldn't have been done the way we wanted. And that's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that to me is more stressful. But. You know, there's plenty of other projects I have to work on because there's money yeah. and that, you know, not her money, right. but dollars. So I have to do those projects because that's, that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to go on the road and, and, and do shows because that's part of my job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, I wish I could just stay in the studio and work on her project mm-hmm. until, you know, 30 songs are complete. And right. you know, then I'll, then I'll work on something else. Now, will but, you release that on your label, her label? Like, how does that how does that um, work? We're we're kind of we're kind of leaving it open. Yeah. To, I mean, I'd, I'd rather not be a label. Yeah. Myself, but I think I think she'd be better off on an indie label. Right. Who's who's got some legs? Yeah. You know, an indie label with some other artists that would be that would that would work well with mm-hmm. her as far as as far as a touring situation. Mm-hmm. Because I, she's she's going to need that. She's going to need to start doing shows, and we're mm-hmm. we're putting a show together now. That's mm-hmm. it's going to end up being more of a showcase for um, you know for labels and for music supervisors and right. for for TV producers and film producers mm-hmm. and and because I you know a lot of her stuff is uh, a lot of the music is great for mm-hmm. film and TV. Mm-hmm. It's great for licensing. It's it's really it's emotional music and mm-hmm. it's great. It's going to be a great addition to. Whatever, whatever scene that that it lends itself to. Does the name Hamish Anderson mean anything to you? Sounds familiar. Guitarist, um, Australian guy, um, blues guy. Anyway, I bring him up because he's managed by um, a friend of mine, uh, Kristen Jewell, Mm. who's been on this podcast as well, and she manages uh, a few few artists, uh, sort of young, emerging, but talented uh musical artists if uh you know i don't know to what extent you're helping to you know manage money or or absolutely whatever but like if you know you may want to um at some point maybe you want to talk to kristen because she's doing a lot of stuff in terms of marketing and promotion Oh, great yeah yeah Yeah, connect us yeah totally yeah yeah yeah. i've known kristen a long time and she's she's full of energy really smart and loves music, loves yeah. artists. Yeah, please connect us. That'd yeah. be that'd be great. Yeah. And you you mentioned blues. I was going to say that that this these songs kind of they they are her version of blues. Oh right. Because nice. it's she's yeah. she's she's singing these songs to feel better. Yeah. And hopefully it'll do the same for the listener. Right. You know, it'll take them through an emotional thing where, okay, she went through that too. Yeah. I feel better. Right. I feel better because I didn't go through it alone. Yeah. And that's just, you know, it's like another form of blues. That's where blues came from. Mm-hmm. You know, blues came from, you know, pain. For sure. Where's she from? Where'd she uh, grow up? I think she was, I think she was born in Pennsylvania somewhere, mm-hmm. either Western Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and grew up in uh, Rhode Island. Yeah. Hmm. So she's got, she's got family in Rhode Island. Not, not, are there any, any superstars from Rhode Island? <laughs> That's something we'll have to Google. Well, yeah, um, I know a couple uh, people from. I know some musicians from Rhode Island. Right, uh, Marty O'Brien. I don't know if you yeah. know Marty, awesome bass player who's, who lives out in here, out in L.A. Here, he's he's 
Right. He's from Rhode Island. He plays with. Uh, he's played with, you know, a lot of a lot of big metal acts and mm. rock acts. And mm. He's been with Lita Ford for years. Mm. Lita, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you ever see Lita Ford, her bass player is from Rhode Island. Interesting. Yeah. Anytime I hear Rhode Island, which by the way is one of three states that I've I've not been to. I've got three states to go before I've been to all 50, uh, Rhode Island, Delaware, and South Dakota. <laughs> you know? And, um, well, do South Dakota and Rhode Island first because Delaware is a big one. <laughs> um, I wondered where you were going with that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not missing much. Yeah. Well, no, but, much. but, but I, I, I digress. I mean, anytime I think of Rhode Island or I mentioned Rhode Island or here, Rhode Island, I think of Rhode Island, um, school design, uh, oh, Rhode right, Island Institute right. School of Design because so many great artists, visual artists primarily, right. have came through there. Shepard Ferry fa- famously went to RISD. Um, wow. But I'm guessing several, there must be some of these artists, visual artists that were also musicians that uh, might have uh, uh, f- you know, found some acclaim on some level. But right. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rhode, Rhode Island's I definitely say, got some art. And this, I could just be totally talking on my ass right now. But as I often do, um, but I, uh, I, I, th- I want to say David a- Byrne, such an ass talker. Uh, 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 that's a very loquacious, <laughs> or is that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, David Byrne. I, David Byrne might have gone to RISD. Oh. You know, let me let me uh, ask the uh, inner interweb here, Siri. Where did David Byrne go to college? Rhode Island School of Design. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, that was the case. So uh, it's a school that recognizes brilliance. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to get into. <laughs> wow! And uh, so there you go. We have uh, talking heads of fame out of Rhode Island. Yeah, and uh, David Byrne's still out there doing it. Yep. In fact, my my friend Angie Swan has been playing guitar with him for oh, that's cool for several years, and she's awesome. Yeah, she found a great great home with David Byrne. Dude, not to jump around here but what the fuck is happening so years ago um i came to see you play over here in noho at that uh venue i'm forgetting the federal bar federal federal yeah it was such a hot jam that night man you and a couple of your boys yeah we had a cool thing oh my god that was so sweet what i mean is that sort of like you know, like hibernating right now. Like, what's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think eventually it'll, it'll come back around. Okay. We, we had formed a band, uh, ba- just based on improv. Yeah. You know, we, we were just, so hot. we wanted to play. It was, you know, some friends that wanted to play. It was me and Chris Johnson, who's an awesome drummer. Yeah. And Courtney Leonard, mm-hmm. killer bass player, and, and different, you know, different players would come through every week. We, we just had fun. We wanted to play every, yeah. every Sunday. So we did. And it was, it was a cool venue. Well, you guys posted a video, right, to YouTube or something. As as I recall, yeah, uh, we we ended up calling the band "Invented Like Stars," right? And you know, uh, over over time, we had written a handful of songs and actually got into a rehearsal room and rehearsed them and finished writing them, and uh, we recorded them live at the Federal. Yeah, it was all recorded by a guy named Brian Vibbert, who's an amazing engineer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Antelope Audio was part of it, and they you know they set up probably a dozen cameras and shot the whole thing, recorded everything and, and mixed it. And it was cool. 
Yeah. So that's that stuff is out there on on YouTube. I may when I post this episode on the website uh, with your permission, I may include uh, that video. Oh yeah, or, yeah. or those videos because yeah. they they were just so great. That was that was fun. It was fun times. Yeah. We made cool music. Mm-hmm. We did uh, we did a couple gigs after that. We did some did some stuff at the Nam show for mm-hmm. Yamaha, which mm-hmm. was cool because Chris uh, Chris Johnson and I were both Yamaha artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Carmen, who who uh, who played keys in the band, plays with Eric Clapton. He's mm-hmm. played with everybody over the years. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, the Groove Factor reminded me of a band uh, in Chicago that I used to listen to every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They played at the Double Door, uh, which I lived down the street from, mm-hmm. and the band was called Liquid Soul. And uh, hmm. you you may may you may remember them. They famously played at uh, I want to say Bill Clinton's inaugural uh, party or something really? after wow. he was elected. But they I don't think they're around anymore. But they had several albums. But you would totally dig them. I mean, they were hmm. absolutely super groovy. And uh, but they also had an MC you know oh, with them cool. so they would lay down the groove and then old boy would come in with the yeah. rap and it just was like super super hot that's cool yeah it was all groove groove oriented yeah. that's cool that's some some amazing players from chicago yeah right yeah i've worked with several over the years rob lewis who's who's you know musical director i've been working with for years i so i have Rob's a, from chicago yeah uh ethan farmer bass player i don't know if you're familiar with mm. ethan but he uh he was also with christina for quite a while mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. He's with Lionel Richie now. He's played with everybody. Right. Wow. Uh, if you see a bass player jumping around on stage with a mohawk with Lionel Richie, that's Ethan Farmer. That, that, that's your boy? Yeah. From Chicago. From Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I have a... So, uh, I turned 50 next year, right? So, um, mm. I've been thinking about like how I want to celebrate, right? And, you know, the reality is I have so many dear friends in Chicago who are great musicians, primarily in the jazz and blues scene. But um, some of them are just kind of like working piano players too. Like, yeah, so for yeah. example, my buddy Dave Roberts, uh, he famously wrote, him and his brother famously wrote that song, The Curly Shuffle. Remember that song? <laughs> yeah, I remember right. The Curly okay. Shuffle. <laughs> so, so that, that's, my, that's my buddy. That's right? great. And so anyway, but I've often fantasized about... Um, getting my uh, Chicago musician friends together with my LA musician friends. Cool. And so one let's of the, all play the curly shuffle. That's <laughs> right. That, well, there you go. And, and if you can roll some, some three stooges behind us, that's even better. <laughs> so this is where I'm going with this. It's like, I'm thinking maybe for my 50th, I do a big party, but I and bring in my, uh, yeah. we, we get a, we get a, a band, we get a stage, we get yeah. all the gear and we just jam, have a jam session and mix up uh, Chicago, LA uh, in honor of my uh, yep. day of birth. That's great. And just let my friends fucking do what they do. You and know? I'll, I'll bring in my LA based friends that are from Chicago. There we go. <laughs> and Rob, who, who happens to live in New York, but, but from Chicago. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Just uh, it's just a fun a fun thought. I uh, I'd, I would love yeah, that. You pick the venue, we'll be there. Well, you know, it turns out. So our boy, uh, well, thank you, and I I, I will keep you posted on that. Uh, so our boy fun. Ricky, yeah, right. So he and uh, Des were on the podcast a few weeks ago, a few yeah. months ago. I don't know if you caught that or not, but they no, it was I've a not great, heard it yet. It's a great I, episode. I, I, I got to listen. And so it was two on, of two of my favorite people. Oh, uh, just fantastic, yeah. right? And thank you for bringing them into my life. 
Oh yeah, that's uh, I right. Know that's them right. Without you, that's right. I brought them over for the uh, the Haiti uh, fundraiser. Right, the Haiti fundraiser, which you know they they you know very passionate about. Yep, I figured it was a good mix. No, and and you figured right. So, but on the that day when they were here. Uh, and Desi sang some bars and it oh, was just great. great. And, uh, but it was, um, he was getting ready. Ricky was getting ready to go out with Madonna. Right, he's were, out with Madonna right, right now. now. Yeah. And the news, part of the news that they were dropping that day was that they're going to be doing some dates right mm-hmm. around, uh, while he's on tour, Desi's right. going to join him in certain locations. Yeah. Well, turns out Chicago is one of those dates. Right. And so he's right. Said, Cause she'll be in Chicago for a little, uh, for a little while. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and Madonna will be. Yeah. Right. And I had said to Ricky, I said, well, A, what's the date? And I think he said October 25th. I said, well, what venue are you playing? And he said, well, we're playing Untitled. I said, oh, yeah, my buddy owns that bar. <laughs> Good to have friends. Yeah. Well, yeah. and to clarify, he's one of many owners of this bar. Right. But yeah. So That's it turns great. out one of my best, dearest friends, Yogesh, shout out Yogesh, uh, is one of these owners. So now I'm trying to, <laughs> Channing and I are trying to work it out where, we're in Chicago at Untitled oh, during that cool. show because I can get all my friends right. to roll out, you know. Get a and nice, nice big crowd for Parlor Social. Totally, yeah. totally. So I'm trying to work that out, but that That's was just such, it's such a small world you know, at cool. the end of the day. I uh, I think I may be doing a gig with, with Desi without Ricky. Okay. I'm waiting on details, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing a an LA gig where – I'll kind of be playing Ricky's parts. Nice. Okay. Which will be uh which will be a challenge for yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> hey, I welcome it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, That's might, I might just play everything on a resonator guitar and <laughs> and and have fun with it. Right. And what wait, so that's obviously T B D, so it would be maybe in the fall or something? Or yeah, yeah, it is it is it is in the fall. Yeah. I think it's in October. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's October. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted on yeah, that. Yeah, keep you posted. Because I'd like, one of the things that we're trying to do more of, this is news for you, maybe, is uh, I'm about to invest. Um, well, doesn't matter whether or not I buy the gear or not, but it looks like I'm going to be buying like some really good video equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the bottom line is, is Hans and I um, are starting to work more closely together and I want to start filming shit. And so like, so for example, this is a small example, but one of our dear friends, um, Deb Spera, shout out Deb, uh, wrote her first novel and Mm. it is getting critical acclaim. Like she fucking nailed it. Like it's an incredible book. And, um, so she had done a, um, Q and a reading in a Q and a at skylight books Mm. in Silver Lake. Right. And I think that's Silver Lake Channing, uh, was moderated, the talk right? right and so but because deb has worked in the business and channing works with their old friends whatever of course it was a packed house and it was great but i'd said to deb i said how would you feel about us filming this you know you could use it in your pr and your social and what right. she said, oh my god that it just blew her away she was so touched i was like she's like you would do that for me i'm like hell yeah i would do that for you <laughs> so um so we had you know spent a little bit of money had you know and it was a simple deal because it was just one camera and it was just them in the bookstore whatever yeah, yeah. but it came out great the audio's great you know it looks great you know and That's so great. but the point i'm getting at is i have so many 
you know, amazing artist friends who are doing so much cool shit that often gets lost. Like it, it right. disappears, right? Yeah. If you don't record it, if you don't film it, it's gone. Yeah. And, you know, I want Not Real Art to be, you know, do documenting this stuff, filming this, sharing this yeah. stuff. And so I bring this up because of your gig with Des. Like, right. obviously, it's a, it's a more sophisticated thing. We'd probably want a couple cameras or whatever. Yeah. But like Hans and I could get on that. Yeah. No, same same thing with the this uh, show I'm putting together with money too. Yes, because we, exactly. we we've we've already talked about you know we need to we need to have probably three or four cameras on that. Yep, yep. To capture it for sure, for sure, and uh, because and it's going to be a dynamic performance. Right. There's going to be some video stuff. There's going to be props. There's yeah. going to be you wow. Know, it's going to be a show. Yeah, a proper show. Yeah. Fuck yeah. 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 No, that's the thing. Like this idea that you know not real art becomes. Well, this is what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to help artists tell their stories. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. And and um, everybody watches videos constantly, yes, constantly every day. There's, you know, whether whether it's a two second video or or you know or or a thirty minute video or something that's you know just something that catches somebody's eye. They're gonna they're gonna keep watching it. Yep. Yep. You know, and they're gonna want to see more. Yeah. If they like it, they want more. Yeah. And, and artists, as much as they want to record that performance or film that performance, often mm -hmm. don't have the time or the bandwidth or the money to make right. it happen. Exactly. And if not real art and crew West can come in and be that partner for them. Right. That's a great idea. It's, you know, it, it's providing real value. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, uh, that would be great. And to, it's also helping propel the art in a different, in a different medium. Totally. That's totally. Great. Well, and you know, I mean, this sort of stems from, you know, years ago I was at, um, at, at the baked potato, right. Mm -hmm. Which fucking love the yeah. fucking baked potato. Right. And, um, and I was there one night and they have uh, great potatoes. <laughs> they do have great potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> don't let, don't let that fun fact be lost. Yeah. Like the and music the, is awesome, but it, the potatoes, it, oh man, I really go for the potatoes. The jazz potato. Um, and uh yeah and uh but i was there one night and you know you know how it is i mean mm -hmm. they're just fucking off the fucking yeah walls in there and it's yeah, no, amazing no no chumps on that stage no <laughs> and it's one one thirty in the morning i'm a couple drinks in or whatever and i'm just sitting there going this is lost to history right like we're here this ephemeral nature of this moment is incredible. We have, you know, what, 50 people, you know, 70 people pack in there. I don't even yeah. know. It's very small. Yeah. And those of us who are here are blessed, are lucky, right. you know, to be here. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that this is lost to history, lost to the world, that no one else is enjoying this or can enjoy this, to me, just felt there's fucking, kind of a beauty of, about that. Though, it is. You know? I know. I know. There's a beauty. But, 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 but I just, when I think about, and you're not going to capture all of it. But right. when I think about young artists or other artists or people that I admire, or whatever, like if we can provide some some service, some help uh, right. to 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 help them, as I say, tell their stories if they want, right? Well, it's also do you know documenting things like that. I mean, just imagine, imagine if there were not cameras at that Monterey Pop show. Right. The first time Hendrix did a big show in the U.S. Yeah, right. You know, it was his first big U.S. concert. Imagine if there weren't cameras there to document that. He set his fucking guitar on fire. <laughs> Come on. I mean, there were cameras there. Yeah. yeah. So we can see that shit. We yeah. can watch that and say, holy shit, he actually exploded. Yeah. 
you know, that's that, that's what that's what made him explode in the U.S. Thanks right. to thanks to Paul McCartney seeing him in a club in London, saying, "Yeah, we need to put him on that Monterey show." Right. You should get that guy. Yeah, and and if that if those cameras weren't there, right? And I'm mm-hmm. I'm so glad they were. You know, whatever whatever footage there is of Hendrix, I mean, I think I've seen all of it at this point. Yeah, and and studied all of it because he, you know, he. he he was so groundbreaking. You never know when that shit's going to pop up. Right. I mean, there's so many artists now that, yeah, it's, it's a saturated world with music and, and there's incredible talent everywhere. And you could look on Instagram right now and find 50 incredible artists mm-hmm. that nobody's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know, a hundred thousand of their followers have heard of them, right. but you know, or maybe there's some with more than that. Maybe there's some with millions of followers. Right. But they're still not household names. They're still no. not superstars. They're still sitting in their bedrooms making music. Well, okay. So let's drill down on this a minute, right? Because so um Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. right? So Billie Eilish, I discovered her what is she, fifteen? Okay. She's uh I think she's 17 okay okay so when i think when i discovered she was 15 and i say discovered her i didn't discover her she had a show on apple music right Right. and i was like what the fuck's up with this so i started and i didn't i don't know that i knew that she was 15 at the time all i knew is that there was this like really charming smart articulate goofy gal on the end of the mic that definitely knew what she thought about music or art or whatever. Like she had a very right. a, a, a specific point of view and yeah. could articulate. She's her a true, opinion. a true artist, a true yeah. artist. And so, but her show, she was playing tracks and music and artists that she loved, hmm. but nine times out of 10, this music, this artist, this track that she loved, she found deep diving on fucking SoundCloud. Right. Right. And, right. and, and I'm like, okay, well, first of all, like, I'm so grateful that she's turning me on to great new music because here's the deal. Like, I don't have time to go deep diving on SoundCloud. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? But so many of these great young artists are out there and they're, mm-hmm. they're in, you know, Smallsville, Ohio, and but they're uploading to SoundCloud. Right. And because like, that's, that's the extent of, of their reach. Yeah. But that's it's, it. It's but but it is is the world. If yeah. if somebody like Billie Eilish finds them or someone else finds right. them, they you know. And so anyway, so I just was, I, you know, I was just well a grateful, but but b like knowing that you know because it cuts both ways. I mean, on one hand, these social platforms and these digital tools being democratized has been you know toxic to you know the industry in so many ways, but it's been so empowering to so many artists who never had a chance otherwise. Right. That's that's true, and um and yet this idea that there is so much talent out there that that we just will never never know about you know yeah uh you know i i go back and forth with how i feel about technology and the way the way things have gone and you know the you know with the onset of mp3s and napster and all that stuff and the way things went down I mean, yeah, we don't, our, our royalties are not what they used to be yeah. as, as writers, as producers, we don't, you know, as performers, we don't get paid what we should No, because, you know, because music is essentially free. Recorded music is essentially free Yep, and that's how it is now. It was never like that before the early 2000s. No, that changed, that changed everything, you know, that, that made it a lot more difficult for established artists. It changed things for the good for the unknown artist. Because then they could they could put out anything they want. 
you know, I could do a record today. Let's see, what time is it? It's almost, uh, it's like 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. I could go home, record something, put it out by 7. Right. And it's out into the world. And anybody, you know, millions of people all over the world could hear it if they, you know, if they can find it. Right. Right. That's incredible. Yep. That's incredible that artists can do that. You it know, is. you can, you can, you can put something on SoundCloud, you can put something on iTunes, you can get it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's algorithms that are created that, that will, that will draw you to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like this, Hey, check this out because there's something in that music that, that, that kind of works with this music. So yeah. if you like that, you might like this. Yeah. There you go. And those algorithms bring you to, to those artists that you've never heard before. I love that. Yep. Yeah. Well, and um, now it's just a matter of figuring out how we can all get paid the right way. Right. <laughs> Which that right. that'll happen eventually. Just sucks that it's taking too long to figure it out. Well, and I'm, there there aren't enough. Uh, you know the 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 there aren't enough people in you know that are on the creative side that understand how to handle things politically to make that happen. And it's always been like that. The creative people always kind of got screwed. Absolutely. And visual artists are, you know, are some of the worst, uh, some, you know, so many visual artists I know, I mean, musicians, you know, historically and actors to some extent and TV writers, what have you, you know, you've had, you know, maybe you've had guilds or unions that have negotiated on your behalf, or, you know, if you were in the music business, there was, there was a, a business model. There was a, you know, a culture, industry culture. There was a way things got done. Right. On the visual art side, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, prior to the digital revolution, there was a real wall between fine art and commercial art. Mm-hmm. Um, that wall exists no more. But I know so many visual artists these days that will jump at the opportunity to work for free. If right. it's Nike or Coke or right. whatever, right. you know, and it's like, fuck, man. I mean, g- you're never going to get paid. You're never if you're willing to work for free. Right. And yet at the same it time, also, I also it understand why they want to work for Nike. Yeah, I understand that, too. But it also diminishes everybody else's yes, work at exactly, the same time. Exactly. So the value of it. That, no, exactly. And that's what they don't understand. And and yet, you know, it, it is it's a very complicated thing because. You know, obviously artists are vulnerable. They they want to get their work out there. They, you know, maybe don't think about money or do you think, you know, they're not you know, very savvy in terms of business or what have you. Nike comes knocking. Nike, of course, you know, is very savvy and can exploit these artists. And so I don't know. I mean, right. Nike's got lawyers. That artist doesn't. That's right. And, and, and so that's, you know, that, that's how I got screwed in the, you know, it wasn't Nike, but it was other, yeah you know, it was record labels saying, oh, he doesn't have a lawyer. Right. Let's not pay him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I think, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we do our conference. That's why we do so much of what we're doing because we're trying to encourage artists to understand their power, stand up for their rights, say fuck you to people that want to exploit them. Right. But also at the same time, you know, bring on, bring, bring in business experts, bring in uh, people that understand negotiating people right. understand business so that right. they can- your intellectual property is worth something. Yes. That is, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's your future. Yes. So preserve it, preserve yeah. it and protect it. Yeah. And you need people to do that. Right. I mean, here's the deal. Capital you know, Wall Street can't create uh, to save their lives. You know, they've got money. 
Right. Right. They, but they need the artists, right. To, to, to make more money, you know, and invest that money. And so it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship, but, but, uh, we live in a world where nine times out of 10, the artists get screwed while meanwhile, the bankers, you know, right. Do well. Exactly. You know, but you know, it is hard to beat free. I mean, you know, like I have constantly have many stories of like, you know, I remember years ago, X games, uh, came to LA and Mountain Dew wanted to do this big, you know, activation with these artists and visual artists, graffiti writers doing this right. stuff. And they had approached man one, uh, my dear friend, business partner, right. uh, and brilliant, basic brilliant artist, great artist. Yeah. And, uh, and they wanted him to, uh, do it for, you know, work. It was like, you know, three days, <laughs> you know, look like this thing and like whatever. And basically they were going to, pay him 500 bucks and you know all the fucking mountain dew he wanted or whatever and he's like thank you no um but of course they found you know some young hungry artists that's mountain Mountain dew is what pepsi yeah right yeah Yeah, you're talking to you know billions and billions of dollars yep yep yeah so i don't know i think they can they can afford to pay what you're worth yeah the best disinfectant is sunlight I think to the extent that anything we can do to expose mm-hmm. and 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 shine a light on the, you know these uh, unethical, if if not immoral, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, situations. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a post the other day that um, I'd, I'd seen something like that before, but it was like, you know, somebody asked you to do something and say you're going to get you're going to get great exposure. Exposure bucks. Exposure. And they have the money to pay, but they just think, okay, the exposure. Yeah. What they don't understand is you're not just paying for somebody to come and play for 15 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. You're also paying for, you know, their uh, their equipment that they put yeah. money into, their their time that they spent learning that equipment, the, the time 10, that they spent- hours. The, the 10, 20, 30, 50,000 hours yes. they spent learning their, their instrument yes. and honing their yes. craft- and, you know, and everything else that goes with it. But by the way, nobody questions. This is the classic situation with doctors, right? Like, like, yeah. wait a minute. The doctor saw me for f- 10 minutes and charged me $500. Yeah, right, because you're right. not, he's not billing you for his time. He's billing you for the years of exactly. education and expertise. Exactly. Same deal with music. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that way when, yeah. I, when, you know, yeah, when I come at somebody with a, with a price tag, this mm-hmm. is, that's what it is. Yeah. Because I put in a lot of fucking hours. Yeah. And I think I'm worth it. Yeah, I know I'm worth it. Yeah, and and I think all artists have to f- think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, their intellectual property is worth it, and and the hours that they've put in are worth it. You know, I I was <laughs> I was walking around the streets of Berlin recently, and I don't know if I've shared any of those pictures mm. with you, but you've been to Berlin, haven't you? I've not. There's so much art in Berlin, so much street art in Berlin. Yeah, it's I've incredible. Hmm. And that art to me that that art is worth so much money. Yeah. Like that's there's some incredible artwork yep. there and hey, nobody's getting paid for it. Nope. And then if somebody buys that building, they're just going to paint over it like that shit doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, and you- and and that that stuff that's it's art. Art helps people and yes. heals people and and makes life better. Why not pay for it? Yeah. Well, it is, you know, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Wynwood district in Miami, but this is exactly what happened there. I'm forgetting the developer's name, famous guy, Goldman, something Goldman, Mr. Goldman, we'll call him Mr. Goldman. Mr. Goldman. Mr. Goldman. His his daughter runs uh, his company now. He passed away. Miss Goldman. Miss Goldman. 
But basically, Wynwood was this, you know, warehouse district, horrible, dangerous, gritty area. He started buying the shit up, you know, decades ago, whatever. And then, you know, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, he had the brilliant idea to ask artists to come and paint murals. Hmm. And of course, you know the story. Property values went up. It is now the hippest, coolest, fucking wow. most amazing area in Art Basel, Miami. That's where all the hip shit is if you go to Wynwood. Right. And, you know, the bottom line is you walk, everywhere you walk, there's mural, 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 right. mural, mural. And nine out of ten of them are unpaid free murals. And, right. um, and it's such an interesting phenomenon because... Obviously, artists have have you know have agreed to do this on some level, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody said, "Hey, there's a wall. You want to paint it?" They go, "Yes." Right? They are just looking for instant gratification. You know, it's like I got up, I got a mural done. Some right. People see my art. They don't think about the fact that they're you know that property value is going up and up and up. Obviously, certain people, very few people, are getting very wealthy. Yeah. Based on that, and but this has been gentrification forever, right? Right. Right. Well, what? How? All right, somebody like Banksy. Yeah. How did an artist like that become, you know, become known? And which I'm sure, you know, eventually he got paid well, right? Well, so you know, which I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly doing fine. Um, but I think you know, and there's a lot of controversy. You're not controversy. Lots of mystery around who Banksy is or whatever. I think it's safe to say that whoever Banksy is, uh, he had some level of uh, you know, uh, security in life, success in life, because he starts doing his art, which has obviously been very smart and clever, and Mm -hmm. you know what have you. And his whole brand is built on anonymity. You know what I mean? So it's like obviously people that need to know who he is know who he is right but he's got to get paid somehow yeah and and you know so so and listen every artist is different i'm not you know i don't want to act like you know it's a monolithic community it is not a monolithic community everybody's motivated by different you know reasons but you know he i think had a very smart approach to getting paid he he embraced scarcity he embraced surprise. Mm-hmm. He embraced prov- he, he was pro- provoking. He was uh, controversial. He, bra- he he embraced controversy. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so he had this very kind of almost formula, you know, yeah. uh, and it worked for him. You yeah. know, you know, there are. Um, but my question is, yeah. there are so many other amazing artists yeah. uh, that are on that level that aren't getting paid. Hundred percent, right? I mean, it's same same with music. Yep. Where there's so yep. many incredible artists that are just not making a living. Yep, not even getting by. Not even you know. Yep. Not even creating right. and getting paid enough to survive. Well, and I think, but you know, a big part of it is systemic because I think it's criminal that, if not immoral uh, and, and unethical. For an art student to graduate from Art Center and not understand how the art business works, really. Right, I think it's right. horrible that a musician would graduate from musical music school and not understand how the music industry yeah. works. Well, when when they, the, the stuff that they are teaching in schools as far as business is outdated because 100%. the business has changed so much. Yeah. I, gra- I graduated there's no, from- There's no practical... Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of the professors that are there, while they're brilliant, 
they might not have the practical experience of what's happening in the industry right now. That's right. Well, and, you know, so I graduated from a small private liberal arts college in Chicago called Columbia College. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they famously for years, forever, they have famously said, oh, we teach business, we teach business. And they do. Um, You know, when I went there, yeah, we we had business classes, accounting, marketing, management, finance, you know, so on as law, whatever. But it wasn't industry specific. It was, you know, because, yes, you need to understand the the fundamentals of business and I think what have you, but, but understanding the culture of an industry, the, the game of an industry, the players in that game, like, mm-hmm. cause each one of these industries has their own unique politics, yeah. their own unique that's culture. True. And that's the inside baseball shit that you only learn in the field usually. And the hard way, right. 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 Um, being socialized in your industry. And I think that there's a huge opportunity now for these schools and artists and students should be demanding that they're learning this stuff sooner rather than later. Yeah, the artists need to know it, you know, going into school. Yep. Yep. Or coming, yeah, graduate. They need it by the time they, they graduate. They no, they that that needs to be a part of the curriculum just as strongly as the art because, yep. you know, it's it's been too long that artists have been, you know, just abused. Yep. Yep. And, and art itself has been abused and, and, you know, in so many ways, you know, I've, I've been a part of conversations, um, over the years, right. Where, you know, every, everybody's, I know a lot of good, well-intentioned people who are trying to address this problem and solve mm-hmm. this problem in their little ways or in their areas or whatever. And of course, inevitably you always hear about, you know, you know, uh, well, what if we unionize and what if we did this and what if we did that? And, you know, maybe some of those things would work. Maybe they wouldn't. I mean, part of the challenge, of course, in with any of this is that, Artists are not a monolithic community. Like they are incredibly idiosyncratic, you know, like, yeah. like and, you know, and emotional, more and, emotional than, you know, than rational yeah. and all of that. But, but, and that, that goes, it goes, it goes back to the beginning of time, you know, yeah. like the first guy to take a bone and beat on a, a rock. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and create rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably got screwed by, you know, whoever was like, hey, that sounds cool. Anybody want to hear this? Come yeah. on. You know, right. give me some more rocks. Yeah. You know, well, give me, give me pelts and, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, think about, think about Motown, you know, how, how that music was created. Yep. You know, <laughs> there's, yeah, some, some of the creators got, got their due, you know, Smokey Robinson, who's a brilliant songwriter and wrote most of those amazing hits. Yeah. He did fine. He was, you know, he's an artist himself, but all those musicians, you know, the funk brothers, the guys that played on all those records. Yeah. Barely got paid, right? Got no uh, no recognition. Not until much much later. Not until they were dead and you know dead and gone. Yeah, there's only a handful of them left. Probably less than a handful of them left at this point. But those are the guys who created the music. Those are the guys that were playing in playing in clubs and at night, and then they'd go into the studio the next morning, and they'd they'd need some music to go to some lyrics that Smokey wrote, and and they'd say, "Oh, play that! You know, play that riff you played. Let you were playing last night. Right. There we go. Now we got. Now we got some music. So is Barry Gordy a hero or a villain? Um, both. Right. You know, he's he he's definitely a hero when it comes to business. But you know, when 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 it came time to take care of everybody, everybody wasn't taken care of. Right. Everybody that should have been taken care of. I've, have you been to the Motown Museum? No, never. It's it's pretty awesome yeah you know, i can't wait you, to go you go and you you feel that vibe you step into that room 
And there's there's so much history, you know. There's 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 two buildings that that you walk through, two houses. Yeah, you know, right, right next door to each other. Yeah, right, right? next yeah. door to each yeah. other. They're connected. Uh, there's like a little walkway mm-hmm. on the second level that goes between both houses. And, you know, you walk into that studio, man, you feel that vibe. Mm. That's the room where they recorded all that stuff, all those hits. You know, those guys spent hours and hours in that studio just plugging away and and creating amazing music that we're that that still is so valid to this day. Those sto- the songs it's are timeless. still yeah, it's timeless music. And without those musicians that were there, mm-hmm. those, you know, yeah, it still would have been good songs, but they wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have been that vibe. Those guys created a vibe. You know, it wasn't Barry Gordy saying, "Hey, we want to we're going to do music just like this." It was these guys that that had real world experience yeah. as players that came in and knew what they were doing and it felt great and they had a vibe and they had groove and they put love into that music and they put funk into that music and it worked and it worked worked so well that yeah, we still listen to that stuff today 50 years later. Yeah, man. 60 years later. I mean, history is, you know, probably ultimately kinder to the Funk Brothers than to Barry Gordy, quite frankly. I wonder. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, because what now, you know, they don't necessarily know it, but, but history will be kind, right? To the artists who got fucked versus the people that did the fucking, you know? Yeah. Uh, whether it was, whether it was intentional or not, who knows? But right. like, you know, um, what sucks is it wasn't in their lifetime. That's right. Right. Well, that's right. Yeah. You know, they, they, they should be able to retire. They their, their children and their grandchildren should be able to get residuals. hundred percent. And, and that never happened. And that, that's something that needs, it still needs to be addressed to this day because it keeps happening. Yeah. Well, Taylor <laughs> Swift just, you know, got into it with, fucking uh scooter right over mm. you know she you know uh her label sold to scooter or whatever and she's right. saying i don't own my own fucking songs and right he owns the masters yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean but it's also but like that's, that's that's part of that business that's why that's that's why you gotta you gotta know your intellectual property and what it's worth and and you have to own your shit Right. Well, but also don't, don't so give young, it don't give it up so easily. Yeah. Well, young Taylor Swift, right? They, she's got stars in her eyes. She's got somebody that believes in her. They're going to yeah. give her a platform. She's going to sign that deal. Right. You know, it's it's this insidious thing. Yeah. Um. You know, I have this little project I'm working on. I don't know. You know, if it'll amount to anything. But um. So if you're a physician, right, and you graduate medical school, right, mm-hmm. you uh you take uh, an oath, right, um to do no harm, right, right? and uh. Doctors take that oath uh, incredibly seriously, right? Yeah, right. They do. Yeah, this the the Hippocratic oath, right? Right. That inspired me. I've been trying to write uh, kind of an oath that artists would be able to 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 say. And yeah. to shouldn't take. shouldn't everyone have an oath? <laughs> I mean, like when you're when you're born, shouldn't you have an oath? Shouldn't I mean there is kind of an unspoken oath, but I mean you know. Everybody should have an oath, right? I mean, we should all be, you know, adhering to some kind of, okay, be nice. Well, be, that, be a good person. Don't right. fuck people. Yeah. You know, come on. Well, that's, by the way, you raise an excellent point because in a world where people have lost their faith in the church, in our government, in business, in whatever, right. what's left? Well, you and me. Right. You know, and my commitment to you as your, uh, as your neighbor 
as right, your right. as a as a fellow member of the human race should be to uh, uh, help help you care right. for you look right. out for you. You should do the same for me. Right. Right. Um, There's boy, your oath right there. That's, that's it. For, that's that's it. it. I took an oath. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that way though. No. That's that's sad. Yeah. Well, it's. Um, it's it is sad it is fucking sad i mean i i want to help people you know starting from my community and reaching Mm -hmm. out as much as i can Mm -hmm. you know branching out from there Mm -hmm. i i that's why i'd like to i'd like to make a lot of money so i could just be that you know be part of a community and help people and and you know i'm working towards that my thing it's really important to me to be able to do that and 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 give to charitable causes and be part of them and 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 help humanity in some kind of way. Yeah. Shit, I'd love to go to the Bahamas right now and do whatever I can to help. Oh people, my god! You know, Fuck those poor people. Jesus. Yeah, you know, I'd love to go to 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 Puerto Rico and help people there. I'd love to go to Haiti and help people there, and you know, do anything I can. I wish I wish I could do that. You know, I, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. We all are. You yeah. know, we all put everything into our work and our everyday lives, uh-huh. and trying to get ahead, and trying to, you know, trying to pay bills, and trying to, you know. You know, we get caught up in our lives and forget about humanity. And then we see it on the news and it's so, it's so sad. But come on, let's all feel that way. Let's all feel like we need to help. And if we all feel that way, the people that are in the position to help can do it. Right. Or help the people that want to do it and put them in that position. Well, but in my whole thing too, though, is like... You know, because part of it is people just feel overwhelmed and and under equipped. You know, like like they you know the problems that we face right are so big and massive that some people just feel like, well, what can I do? Like what right. you know, and the reality is, you you know, we can do a lot locally. You know, there's that old saying about you know Paul politics are local or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I mean, my whole thing is corny as this sounds, man, and I know it's totally sounds corny, but I really believe in it and you know i made a commitment a long time ago uh, took an oath maybe a long time ago just to be nice right don't be an asshole right be nice to people <laughs> look them in the eye hold the door you know right. say right. hi say good morning take interest in people show show respect show respect yeah you know yeah. and if you do that on the street around the corner from your house. If you do that at the bank, if you do that at the car wash, if you do that at the drugstore, yeah. if you did, and everyone was doing that, suddenly the world would be a nicer, better place. Yeah. yeah. That's something that's missing on a cultural level in yeah. this, in this country, in this society, yeah. you know, traveling throughout the world. I see other cultures and other societies that, that treat people with more respect. Yes. Right up front. Yes. That's right. Even, even if it's just an appearance of respect, that goes a long way. Right. Start with that, yep. you know, start with, you know, smiling, even if you don't feel like smiling, mm-hmm. smile at somebody you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, hold the door for someone. I do that as much as I can. I'm yep. always holding the door for people. Yep. And eight out of 10 times, you don't get a thank you. That's right. But you do it but, anyway. Right. But you do it anyway. You don't do it for the thank you, but I'm always, I'm always surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd, I, I'd rather, I'd rather be surprised the other, the other way. And, you know, and mm-hmm. get the thank yous, you know, get the, get the eight out of 10 thank yous. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Yeah. But, hmm. I mean, I, I always wish that 
the, you know, the thing I'm qualified for, the only thing I, I'm really qualified for is making music. Mm. I mean, I, I have, you know, other things that I dabble in, but I know I can make music and I can do that. I can do that to a certain level. I wish there was something I could do with that, with that, whatever it is, whether it's a skill or a talent or, or just, you know, hours that I've put in, what can I do that would help other people by doing that? How do I turn that into how do I turn art into helping people? Well, I would argue that that making art uh, art does something that few things, few other things can do, which is you know art. And this might sound you know fucking you know elitist or whatever, but art feeds the soul, mm-hmm. and few other things feed the soul. I mean, you can yeah. go out in nature that'll feed the soul. Maybe if you if you you know if there's a spiritual practice of some kind, obviously that feeds the soul. But art, whether it's music or visual art or whatever, right, right. it plays a critical role in our society. See, I, I I believe that. Yeah, I really I do believe that. I'm not saying that that you know nothing I could do could help people. I I do think that music does help people, and art in general helps people on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things that, that I'm trying to work on and trying to develop on a, on a technical side that can, that can help actually help medically mm-hmm. in certain ways, Interesting. you know, help, uh, in different directions, but which I don't want to talk about that just yet because yeah. it's still, still in the infant stages. Sure. But, you know, I, I just, uh, there, and there are, there's, look, there's plenty of artists that have been very charitable that have helped you know, that have helped the world heal in certain ways because they made a shitload of money on their music yeah, and, and, and touring. And they said, okay, I want to be charitable and I'll put this money into whatever charity there is. I'd love to do something like that too. Yeah. But there's gotta be, there's gotta be other ways. Well, the, the, yes. And there is. And, you know, it's like one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, my, my friend and partner, man one, you know, cause I think, you know, there's so much, pressure and pressure but i mean there's 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 you know you you we hear about you know the big problems right mm-hmm. you know the you know the hurricane here the earthquake there the famine over there the war over here mm-hmm. you know like help you know like so many big major very important problems that need right. a lot of good help and but the truth of the matter is that there's so much need right in our backyard, right here in Los Angeles. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate mm-hmm. about what man one has done in his career is that he has really focused on helping the youth of Los Angeles, you know, embrace their artistic abilities, uh, help them explore their artistic abilities, what have you. And, and I think that to your point, right? Like it can feel like the old saying, like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It can feel so big mm-hmm. and you, but you just break it down. It's like, okay, no, wait a minute. It's right here in our backyard. What can I do at the public school over here with the kids? Right. You know, to help them because, you know, it sounds cheesy, but <laughs> children are our future, you know, yeah. like if we if uh Flea from the Chili Peppers. Yeah. He's got uh Silver Lake Conservatory. Right. Which is a music school mainly I I would imagine it's mostly kids. Yep. And it's it's you know, very reasonable. Right. You know, I think the lessons are are, you know, they're Probably it's probably the same same amount of money I spent on lessons when I was a kid when I went to music right, school. Right. So it's it's accessible accessible music lessons and and I think Flea's doing an amazing thing with that where he's really spreading his knowledge and his love for music and sharing that with with children and he's doing an amazing job with that. Yep. 
Well, and I mean, in, in all candor, part of the reason why we're doing not real art and our vision for what we're trying to do is, I mean, look, I was a public school kid, mm-hmm. you know, but we had a great liberal arts education. Like it was a public school, right. But in a working class, uh, neighborhood outside Chicago. But the point is I had, yes, we had good academics, but we had band and theater and, and speech team and right. sports, all that. So the point is, but all that, all that budget, you know, all that money's getting cut. So now, you know, right. what do you have? You, you don't have music anymore. You don't have maybe you have football team probably, but you've got, you know, math and, and English and whatever, but the arts, that's the average schools throughout they, throughout this country. That's yeah. right. And so the point is, is my question is like, okay. They can't should, even get the academics straight in this Well, country. exactly, right? So the point is, is like, well, okay, I am who I am because of those arts programs at my school. Yeah, sure, I did fine. I, you know, was on, on a roll a little bit here and yeah. there, whatever. But I mean, the, the music and the arts and the theater – that made me who I was. So anyway, the point is, is like right. my- I, I went to a I went to a performing arts high school. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, yeah. In in Philadelphia, and it was still still fairly new back then. Right. But that I, I learned so much. That was a college education, right? In music, right? Throughout high school, and and yeah, that exists in certain cities. It doesn't exist everywhere. It should be accessible to to every kid everywhere. You know, music, dance, drama, yep. visual arts. So my part of my theory and answer to the problem, it's like, okay, well, if information education is taking being taken away, Mm -hmm. then our mandate is to pump information and education back out into the system. So if we're doing podcasts where people can tune in and listen to fish, this accomplished professional musician who mm-hmm. strewed all over the world with some of the biggest acts in the world, we can tune in and listen to your story for free. Right? right, and be inspired and learn something. Mm-hmm. Then, if we're able to do that and spread that and get, you know, like it's part of the solution, right? right. Because right. you know, it's it's about putting information and education back in the system. And um, you know, I don't know, but I mean, it's it's a big problem. It's going to take lots of different approaches to solve it. I mean, I think your boy, uh, you know, our boy Ricky, mm-hmm. uh, I think he was pointing out that you've got warehouses of fucking instruments here in LA that are brand new. They were on tour once, but of course they, yep. they, they, they just stack up. Yeah. What's happening with those instruments? Why aren't those instruments in the, in the hands of kids that need them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, he has this awesome idea to start a nonprofit that helps to do that. Yeah. You know, it's a great idea. It's a fucking great idea. Yeah. You know, I hope he's able to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Put, put instruments in kids' hands, put, put uh, paint brushes in kids' hands, put pencils and paper and, you know, put cameras in yes. kids' hands, you yes. know, and just give them, give them tools. Yes. And, you know, hopefully the next 20 years will be better. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, listen, I had a conversation. So a friend of mine um, who I've known, he's, you know, 20 years my junior or something, but I've known him for a long time and mm-hmm. grown up and stuff. And he was, uh, I ran into him a while back and he was all excited to tell me, that he got accepted at uh, you know at this uh, business school. He was getting getting his MBA, and uh, <laughs> and he, I guess I I didn't uh, my poker face wasn't so great. Uh, he he noticed that I wasn't you know thrilled mm-hmm. that he was getting his MBA, and uh, I congratulated him. I said, "Oh, that's you know congratulations, that's accomplishment. You know, good luck, whatever." And good luck like, paying oh. that off. Yeah. yeah, right. And he said to me, he goes, oh, he's like, I, you know, he's like, I, I, I guess I would have thought you'd be more excited or whatever. I said, 
Well, you know, I said, you're, you're my friend. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, but, you know, truth of the matter is I just feel like the last thing the world needs right now is another NBA. The mm-hmm. fucking NBA has got us into this fucking problem, you know, to, to, to solve many of the existential issues facing mankind right now. We need creative thinkers who are, you know, are breaking the rules and imagining new uh, rules. We need, we need philosophers. Yes. We yes. need philosophers to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and so I think the artists, the designers, the creatives, the musicians, yeah. the poets, the philosophers, these are the people that are going to imagine a new reality. Right. And, um, and I said, and I just, you know, I said, I, I hope that in that business education that you learn design and you learn creativity and you learn some of these things because that's what's gonna or at least learn the importance of it yeah yeah well and by the way to be fair some like stanford's mba program they actually are doing uh it's a it's a hybrid uh business plus design uh degree now that's that's cool it's super cool that's great yeah 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 I, I have a good friend who's yeah. who's a who's a brilliant designer, brilliant industrial designer, and world-renowned designer, and he's he's so smart when it comes to business. Yeah, that you know he, he's a very very creative person, but when it comes to business, he's really on top of his shit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. of course, he surrounds himself with the right people and uh, creatively and on the business side, and has been greatly successful. What's his name? Uh, his name is Ravi Sawney. Oh, Ravi! Shout uh, out Ravi! Yeah. yeah, RKS Design. Yep. Yeah. Um, award-winning man yeah. incredible agency yeah uh ravi is he's he's a brilliant designer the one thing i i love about him is he he loves to uh he loves people he loves to to put people in certain you know in certain circumstances and watch them grow yeah and i've seen him give so many people a you know a step up at the and and He's he's just a he's a brilliant guy. That's actually one of his designs right there. Yeah, that, the, that, that I have bottle. one of those. You, you turned me out of that. You have a core bottle. Yeah, yeah I have a great. core bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. We should do a podcast with you and Robbie on sometimes. Oh, you guys have developed yeah. some products together. Several products together, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, great. We have the 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 DNA line of guitar stands and um, one of the one of the products that uh, patent that I share with Robbie is the the gig strap, which is like a. You know, basically like a massaging pressure point mm-hmm. thing that goes on a guitar strap that can actually go on anything with a strap. It can go on a backpack. It can go on a right. You know, any kind of computer bag or you know, baby carrier or whatever you need it for. But yeah, it's helped me over the last several years that I've been using it. So sure, it's starting to catch on a little bit. You know, well, yeah, I can imagine. The, and it's not know. just for us old guys, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> well, by the way, prevention is. Uh, an ounce of prevention, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. I'm so grateful that you uh, came over today yeah, to play oh, podcast. Uh, Anytime, man. Anytime. Take, take two is even better than take one, I think. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I look forward to take three. Before we go, will you uh, play us out? Uh, yeah, I'll noodle. awesome fish thanks brother thank you man hey there thanks for tuning in 
Please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at NotRealArtificial. We appreciate the support. Sourdough, out.